Salmon is a very sexy color on you. How long have you been storing that? Since the second I saw him. <laughs> You're like, I'm opening. I couldn't. It's that weird color of salmon where I couldn't tell if it was a skin color or not. Yeah. So I'm like, is he wearing a shirt? <laughs> yeah. What's he doing? Is he not? Yeah. Like, that's an odd color. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's the Higher Standard, the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. I missed you guys. And we kind of missed you. A little bit. A little bit. Mm-hmm. So since you've been gone, a couple things have happened. Yes. You burnt down Hawaii. You did. You <laughs> Wow. Um, shout out. Prayers to all the families in Hawaii. It is not a joking matter. I apologize for Rune's inappropriate joke. So he, insensitive. He is insensitive. And honestly, that's the last place I stayed in Hawaii. So I'm very emotional about it. Yeah, I, I actually didn't go to Maui, so it wasn't me. But uh, yeah, it, what's happened there is is unbelievably fucking tragic. Front Street was, frankly, a, a treasure in the islands, and it was a beautiful place. And I hope I hope the banyan tree survives. Um, it, I went to it every single time I was in Lahaina. Some of the headlines on those articles were just crazy. These these authors for these articles didn't hold back. They they went a little far. <laughs> they went a yeah, little far. People little jumped far. into the ocean to save their lives. Like, well, that's, that's true. Thirty six people died, dude. Yeah, no, I know, it, but it, I mean, it's real. Yeah, yeah. it's like really clickbaity on this. Yeah, which is unfortunate in a situation like that. But I mean, look, it it, it was pretty fucking tragic. So yeah, we hope everyone's okay. Oh. But while you were gone, um, Arun had a baby. Congratulations, brother! So thank you. Thank you, you are now a father of two. Two under two. How? Wow! Yeah. How does your wife feel having three children at home? <laughs> <laughs> well she played. Is well very, played. Very very happy. Um, she's healthy. Baby's healthy. Everything went smooth. Um, within. Two, three days, we're back at home. So um, her parents are in town, so they've been helping a lot. So she's just been resting and healing. Yeah, in case anyone's wondering, how the hell did he make it out, right? He's, he's getting some good help. So we recorded an episode with Larry Wheels while you were gone. Uh, that, we'll, and that will come out next week. Yeah, so you're going to listen to this episode uh, tomorrow, which is Friday. We're recording it the night before. I know, weird mm-hmm. for us too. Right. And uh, we did this in on purpose, intentionally, so that we could spend a little more time, be thoughtful around the Larry Wheels episode, which is going to come out on Tuesday. Yes. And uh, let me tell you, it is an exceptionally interesting show, and I like it because Saeed's not on it. Right. Can't yeah. believe Chris went behind my back and had Larry Wheels on the show without me. No, no. In, in, uh, in full fairness, I did send you a text saying, hey, can you come back early on Monday? <laughs> When you said no, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing it. I flew out you. of Hawaii at 6 a.m. I couldn't have gotten here any earlier. Again, I feel like your world traveler status should not get in the way of the show's success. I feel like. Not committed. Yeah, yeah you're not committed. Said. I feel like you didn't trust me on the show. I mean, there is the uh, Tim Chiasano episode. For those of you who have not listened to the Tim Chiasano episode, uh, Saeed says literally two words in it. And I know you're thinking, is Saeed in on that episode? He actually is. Just if listen you... to the very end. Like literally the last sentence. Yeah. Good night, Tim. <laughs> no, thanks, Tim. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Saeed was still getting his um, still getting his reps in. Yeah. I mean, you got to take a little bit of blame, too. You didn't really let me let me shine. Trial by fire, baby. Trial by fire. Yeah, you either light on fire or you don't. Uh, okay, sink or swim. Yeah. So got it. It's one of those things. Well, we got a great episode for everybody today. A lot to get into. Which is Saeed's way of saying, please, please stop telling everybody the truth about me and my past. Yes. It makes him uncomfortable. Right. Starting off the top of the show, we're going to talk about billionaire Ray Dalio. I got a lot here. We're going to get into his comments about the Fed and an interesting perspective, which I think may ultimately change the way I think about what may happen. Interesting. Uh, and it is Ray Dalio, and he's a brilliant mind, and he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. From Talk- Goodfellas. Uh, no, Ray Liotta. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, right. he, yeah. Who's also passed away. Yeah. 
Your inappropriateness tonight is noted. <laughs> okay, got okay. it. One for me, one photo, and you're next. I am not going to say anything inappropriate because I'm a responsible adult who cares about the livelihood that I'm trying to create <laughs> yes. for all of us. For all of us, got it. Yes. Um, so G- G- July CPI, I'm off topic now. <laughs> July CPI, we talked a lot about that. The inflation gauge rose 3.2%, but it was less than expected. Then we'll uh, make our way over to jobs, which uh, we all know, if you listen to the show and you're a fan, we all think it's bullshit because the mm-hmm. jobs reports are lies. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're not accurate. They're completely inaccurate, as a matter right. of fact. It's actually, I, I read a Zero Hedge article, which is really interesting. We'll get into that when we get into that, that piece. Then we're going to talk about the first American city to tame inflation and what it owes its success to. Spoiler alert, your boy Mr. Ramsey's not going to like that one. Mm-mm. He is uh, not a fan of that solution, but it seems to have worked in the first city that's been able to tame inflation down to the 2 to 3% standard. And yes, that's right. Inflation does vary city to city as well as nationally. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about rental housing costs. And if there's time, get into some credit card debt. And don't forget... We got some solid reviews. Solid reviews. There's like four or five of them. And I got to tell you, uh, on the episode where we debated the value of, of us debating, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, the the whole like begging for uh, reviews. Yeah. People came out firing. Yeah. They came out and supported. So if you haven't yet, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Whether that's on Apple or on Spotify, leave us an honest five-star review. Because if it's not a five-star review. It's not honest. You're just not being honest. Yeah. Don't do that to you. Yeah. I don't want to have to see you one day and punch you right. I mean, I'm sorry, and, and get really upset that you didn't leave a five. <laughs> yeah, there, there it is. is. Yeah. There five is. minutes in. Let's three go. Three for three. It's the hat trick of inappropriateness. <laughs> also, I feel like Said is uh, deserving of an apology. Oh, okay. This ought to be. This oh, ought to be oh, cool. oh let's go. Thank you. For, yeah. for what? What? What precisely do I owe him an apology for? Said requesting a review, and you made a little like ah, they don't even work. No one see, ever leaves reviews. I, okay, I understand the confusion here. And oh, I apologize that you this guys is, don't understand. Chris, I already oh, know what you're doing. On, I'm a, okay, I'll, I'll let you go ahead. Go ahead. See, by me debating whether there was value in it, we brought attention to the importance of the matter. Is that what you told me? And because we went on a prolonged period of a conversation where we debated the value of these five-star honest reviews, yeah. we received several of them. Yes. It was my engaging dialogue with you as my partner <laughs> that brought these fruitful ends. Let right. me know when you want me to mute him. Yeah. <laughs> It's bullshit. Spewing bullshit. bullshit, dude. <laughs> it, look, it, he it, always Chris. Chris will find a way to spin it both ways, that's dude. That's not true. Causation <laughs> correlation, dude. Not, dude. Causation correlation. They also could have arrived because you weren't here. How could how could you spew this bullshit with those beads around your neck? These beads are from Buddha himself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, uh, yeah, these are these are great beads. They're More inappropriateness from Chris. What? <laughs> Come on, man. The Indian accent. What are you that doing? That wasn't Indian. Why are you so racist? Oh, dude. I was. That, these are not, first of all, these are not Buddhist beads from India. Oh. There are other countries that have We're Buddhist. We're talking about your accent. We're talking about your accent, yes, dude. but there are other countries that right. have that. So and if you thought that accent was Indian, leave us a comment on YouTube, which or, we also have a channel that you can subscribe to. Yeah, Hit that like button. Yeah. And that notification bell. Where it goes ding. Yeah. Okay, can we, can we get to the show now? Let's do it. You've been really, I mean, you're not excited. I'm excited to be okay. back. Okay. All right. And we got the Travis on deck. Yeah, we do. We have the Travis Sox on deck. And then I've got the uh, OG unreleased mm. on my feet, which you can see if you follow my social media. All right. So a government-engineered shift in wealth has protected the public from the worst of the Fed's rate hikes. This, according to a Fortune article where we went into great lengths of a conversation with billionaire investor Ray Dahlia, who says the Fed's measures have slowed consumers down, have not slowed consumers down, and the government is paying the price. 
Mm. I want you, as I read these next several paragraphs, which I thought were an interesting perspective, to keep in mind there is a set of circumstances with which you can have a government recession and not a consumer one. Mm. And I'm sure there's some transitory migration of, of expenses that will happen. But for the first part, hedge fund veteran Ray Dalio believes, but added, the move may have pushed the government to shoot itself in the foot. A little Tory Lanes, if you will. <laughs> Just got sentenced. Yeah, 10 years, baby. Ten, was it worth it, Tory? You shot Megan Thee Stallion in the foot, and you're going to jail for Over an argument. I just wanted to be a, I wanted to be in that car. I want to yeah. know what was being discussed. I mean, 10 years seems like a long time for a shoot, uh, shooting somebody in the foot. I'm going to be honest here. Yeah, come on. I mean, if I feel like you shoot somebody in the foot, that's assault. That's battery. You shot somebody. You should go to jail. But yeah. 10 years for a foot? Meanwhile, SBF is just chilling at home. Yeah, Sam Bigman Fry stole billions. <laughs> yeah, he's like, damn, Tori, that's fucked up what they're doing to you. <laughs> Reading TMZ himself going, shit. <laughs> that could be you. <laughs> Riding on LinkedIn of all places and picked up by Fortune, Dalio, worth $19.1 billion, has nothing better to do than ride on LinkedIn, said there had been a big government-engineered shift in wealth. Okay, mm. government-engineered shift in wealth from the public sector and government bondholders to the private sector. Mm. And what he's really talking about is the artificial interest rate deflation put a ton of money in people's pockets, and then we layered on stimulus during the pandemic on top of that, mm -hmm. and you've basically transferred all this wealth by these mechanisms into the consumer's hand. But it's also caused stress on the government. And now as you raise Fed interest rates, the borrowing rate, you're raising the taxpayer, you know, you're raising the bondholders' debts. And the government's, frankly, national deficit payments go up. Yeah, absolutely. Their interest, their interest payments on that debt is going up. And uh, I think what also this article is probably alluding to is if if we do in fact go into a recession, well, we already know corporate earnings are have been on decline for months on months now, right? Yep. Um, and even though you have analysts out there that are projecting low earnings and then corporations are actually beating those expectations which makes it sound really good and positive but profits are down right mm -hmm. um that's just what that ultimately means is less tax revenue for the government oh yeah and it's gonna get worse before it gets better yeah so and that's probably plays a big part into why fitch downgraded the u.s's debt uh moody's 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 downgraded moody's all, did too and fitch did, and too, fitch did too. Yeah, and fitch fitch downgraded the u.s Moody's downgraded all the banks. Yeah. And this is going to be a continual pattern that we'll see. And again, it started with the banking and finance sectors and technology, and it's going to roll its way. You trust me on that. So let's finish off with, the, with this paragraph here. This has made the private sector, quote, relatively insensitive, end quote, to the Fed's rate hikes, Dalio adds. As a result of this coordinated government maneuver, the household sector's balance sheets and income statements are in good shape while the governments are in bad shape. Hmm. What? I don't know if I'm buying all that. Really? Household sector's balance sheets? Yeah. I mean, we got articles here that we're going to be touching on later where credit card debt is out of control. I know. Right? I think it's really referring to savings and their net worth in their homes. When mm. you take those two things, mm. and even if you net out the, the household debt, which is at a historic high. Right. I think you still wind up with higher average overall net worth. I mean, that balance, yeah, but what is what is your net worth really when it's not liquid to you, right? It's like the value, we talk about all the time on the show, the value in your home means nothing until you sell it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. So, Ray, come on. 
He's a billionaire. <laughs> That's what he's talking okay. about. But let's go on from the article. I put a lot here from this article because I thought that this has got value. Okay. So going on, and I apologize. I know you don't like to hear me drone on and read, and uh, but I'm going to do it. You've been getting better. I know, right? I, I, I like to give you some kudos. So I have, I have a reason for this. My, my son and I do his homework now. He's four, and he's you know, learning to read. Okay. So where he does m mat <laughs> and he circles the word and does the so I'm actually reading slower now oh, because right? I'm used to okay I'm, I'm actually You're slowing it down read. no I'm just learning how to read again oh I see yeah it's okay. fundamental the shoppers propping up the economy are YOLO Ray Dalio said YOLO he did he did, he did. yeah that, I mean did Drake and, did Drake coin that phrase in parens it says you only live once for those of you out there who don't have access to urban pages or urban whatever the hell it is <laughs> <laughs> YOLO spenders claims Wharton professor Jeremy Siegel. Oh, it was Jeremy Siegel who said it. Mm, yeah. Who are spending the last of their cash reserves on traveling and enjoying the summer. And that explains a lot of why inflation and hospitality and travel have been high. Right. They're YOLO spenders. Right. Spenders. I'll let you continue. Thank you. So gracious of you. Mm -hmm. You just. I wanted to chime in a little bit more. I know, I know you do. Oh, let's see. The acronym was popularized by Canadian rapper Drake. It was popularized, but did he coin it? Uh, oh, Ben Zimmerman found the earliest usage of the acronym in 1993. Wow. Really? Damn, Drake getting all the cred. Well, I mean, who's Ben Zimmerman? Who's Drake? Yeah, point in case. Yeah. Okay. Who's Drake? I mean, what is Drake is better question. <laughs> Jesus <Oops>. Christ. <laughs> all right. So, traveling and enjoying the summer. That means that spending boom may finally be coming to an end, but... That isn't likely to help government finances in Dalio's view. Economists had bordered on panic when a White House debate over raising the debt ceiling reached the 11th hour. Now, if you listen to the show, you know that we knew that was going to happen, and it was relatively irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And although an agreement was reached, the debt headache has not dissipated. Quoting from the article again, does it matter that the central government and central banks have such bad balance sheets and income statements if the real economy is in pretty good shape, Dalio questioned, of course it does. The founder of the world's biggest hedge fund, Bridgewater Associates, explained, as with people and companies, governments that borrow have debt service payments, as Said has pointed out multiple times in the show, and eventually have to pay back principal, which is painful. The only difference in their finances and that of the government uh, is that the government can confiscate wealth through taxes and print money via the central bank. So that's what we should expect to happen. Notice he used the word confiscate mm -hmm. by paying taxes. This won't be a big problem in the near future, Dalio believes, but it may be in the long term. Ray Dalio. So we've we've talked about it on the show before and we actually looked into it. I mean, the stimulus packages, it's it's more than that. That's what really has held people over, right? Um, interest rates were so low for so long, especially like during the pandemic. Yep. That not only were people out there once they got comfortable to go out and buy homes, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people did some cash out refinances. They were yeah. able to pull some equity out of their houses and still able still be able to drop their monthly payments because rates were so low. Yep. So it wasn't just the stimulus packages that they got, it was also the low interest rates and the cash that they were able to take out of their homes. Yeah, man, it's wild. And we we've done this to ourselves, and I think at the time What's funny to me is you see all these conversations happening now from all these economists and all these people in government, obviously with an election year coming. It's funny to me to see, like, where were these conversations when we were handing out the stimmies? 
where were these conversations over the last 14 years? Like why why are we all now going, ha, look at that stuff we did. That was stupid. You know, and we expect all these things to happen, and yet, you know, these things are are not normal that led to it. It's very abnormal. Never happened before in history. Unprecedented. Unprecedented, yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about some history, shall we? Let's talk about what's happened with CPI historically and where we are Oof, today. Got some good stuff here. So Saeed's going to go into his usual uh, prolongated version, and I'll give you the the high points. Mm-hmm. And I think the open breakout that Saeed's got planned here is very telling. But I will read two points from this article from CNBC. July CPI report shows inflation gauge rose 3.2%, less than expected. The consumer price index rose 3.2% from a year ago in July, slightly below those expectations. The core CPI ran at a 12-month rate of 4.7%, also below the estimate. Both measures were 0.2% on the month up. Almost all of the monthly inflation increase came from shelter cost, which rose 0.4% and were up 7.7% from a year ago. And if you know, because you've listened to the show and you've heard us go on and on and on and on and on and on, rent and rent equivalent must come down. Rent equivalent, of course, being home prices, amortized in the form of rent. That is a problem. Right. So what what Chris is also saying there is, it's not just what you're seeing out in the market now for rent. You may be seeing asking rent coming down in your in your you know local neighborhoods or in whatever market you're in. But until those contracts get executed and then reported, mm-hmm. that's when it'll start to really reflect into the CPI report. So uh, shelter the shelter component actually made up ninety percent of this report. If you look at it right, it was it came in at seven point seven percent year over year increase when the headline figure was 3.2%, mm-hmm. right? And we already know that it makes up uh, such a big component of the report already. Um, this has steadily come down, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a long time. And this is probably another reason why the Fed believes it's going to take until 2025 for us to hit their target rate of inflation of 2%, because this component, like Chris just noted, makes, makes up 90% of the report, right, from March until now. These are the figures year over year for shelter. 8, uh, 8.2%, 8.1%, 8%, 7.8%, now 7.7%. It's going down, but it's going down extremely, extremely slow. And I'll tell you why. Without a question of a doubt, I know the answer why, because, mm-hmm. you know, of course, I'm a genius. <laughs> um, you're only having rent go up and down. You're not having home prices go down enough yet. Right. And the areas that home prices are going down nationally are slim relative to those who have stayed the same or gone up, East right. Coast, for example. So you're not going to see that number come down dramatically. And it's going to be a drag on inflation. Yeah, and that and the Fed's going to have to, you know, hold steady until this figure does, in fact, come down, right? Because this is ex- way higher than the, their 2% target range. Mm. Um, and what they're really afraid of, and they've mentioned it, Jerome Powell has mentioned it in his post-game press conference. Post-game. The post-game press conference. I, I don't know how I feel about you referring to the FOMC meetings as a game. Yeah, it is a post-game press conference, <laughs> but especially, okay, yeah. especially given the example that I'm, I'm about to give. So what they're really afraid of, and we talked about it on a previous show, and I was thinking about the best, best example to give, and Odun, I'd like to get your take on what you think of this example. I know Arun's, Chris— Arun's not your friend anymore. We decided I think I already know out the gate Chris is going to hate on it. 
Okay, it's a hater. That's why. Because it's a sports. It's a sports reference. Have I always oh, been a hater. Wasted memory space. Oh, wasted memory it space. Is wasted space. So basically, what the Fed is afraid of happening, right, is reversing course too early, and inflation spiking back up again. And the best example that I could think of is if your team has a twenty-point lead in a basketball game, and you take the starters out at the middle of the third quarter, the lead gets cut down, and now it starts to come up, and it looks like the other team's going to win. Now you have to sub your starters back in in the fourth quarter and then the game goes into overtime and now it goes into double overtime and it takes way longer to win the game, a.k.a. bring inflation back down. But it doesn't just end there. By playing your starters longer minutes, you risk injuring them, a.k.a. the economy. Right? Odun? Thoughts? I thought, I thought it was great. That's a good fucking reference. Right, it's not just about winning the game; it's also the impact and the damage that it'll make long term. No, that's good. you that's, could sacrifice the rest of your season. That's golden. Golden. Yeah. Wow, yeah. look at you. I, it, it gives me pain. To All get, right. Oh, wow. wow. Did you practice that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna leave me hanging. I ain't gonna lie. All right. So to break down CPI a little bit further. So this is the first time uh, CPI. You're salty. I don't. Yeah, I'm not salty. You're just being a dick, bro. No, come on, bro. I thought you were gonna leave me hanging. I would never leave you hanging. I would make sure you. You were... got to tune into the YouTube channel to yeah. see what <laughs> just happened. See this. I completely dissed me on the on the fist bump. Yeah. Um, he gave me the psych from 1990. Right. So since June of 2022, uh, remember when inflation was at its peak for the CPI, it was at 9.1 percent. It had been steadily coming down, month over month over month. This is the first time since June that it, it went back up. It increased. Granted, only 0.2%, but it is an increase month over month. Meh. I'm not a big deal? It. I'm not worried about it. Really? I, I think I don't think that this is enough to get the Fed to, uh, to increase the Fed funds target rate again. No, they're not. It, they're definitely not because— um, And I think we were planning on a prolonged hold anyway. So right now, I think it's just too early to tell. It is too early to tell. So the— Chicago Mercantile Exchange. You love the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. They have they haven't missed, just like Bloomberg's WERP. WERP, World Interest Rate Probability Index. Yeah, there you go. All right. Um, they before this report came out, there was an eighty-five percent chance that the FOMC does nothing at their September meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there was a fifteen percent chance that they increase it twenty-five basis points. Yep. Um, after this report came out, a ninety percent chance that they don't do anything. Bloomberg World Interest Rate Probability is even less than that. So even less chance even, of them increasing? Even less than a probability. Of them okay, increasing. yeah. Because uh, there's only a 10% chance of them increasing 25 basis points. Now, there's still a lot that's going to come out. This report, there's going to be another CPI report that comes out before that meeting. There'll be another PCE report that comes out, another jobs report that comes out. But uh, to round out the rest the rest of this uh, report, uh, food uh, was up 4.9% year over year. Um, energy prices were down 12 and a half percent, but that was an increase actually from the previous month. The previous month they were down 16.7%. So you're probably seeing this at the pumps that you're, you know, gas has gone back up and you're probably starting to feel the back, uh, at the pumps because oil's coming up again. Um, lastly services. So this is, uh, the labor market wages that, uh, the FOMC and Jerome Powell continue to target. That is up 6.1% year over year and is really impacting 
these reports? Mm. So, of course, the Fed, who's supposed to look at these reports and be data dependent, they look at other reports, too. And uh, I would say the probably the most second largest focus they've had has been jobs. Mm-hmm. And you know, while they looked at inflation, particularly core inflation as their primary metric, they've also really, really been talking about how jobs are really healthy and really strong and that it's given them the confidence to continue with the Fed interest rate increases. Well, according to The Guardian, the U.S. economy adds 187,000 jobs in July, a sign the labor market is cooling. But I'm going to give you a big asterisk on the paragraphs that I'm going to read from this, which gives you lots of data to think about. Because, again, bullshit. Okay? Bullshit. That's the asterisk. Bullshit. And I'll explain why (laughs) shortly. Mm. U.S. employees added, employers, sorry, added 187,000 jobs in July, less than expected, and a sign that the labor market is cooling after a series of interest rate hikes by the Fed Reserve have driven rates to their highest level in 22 years. The jobs market has continued to add at least 200,000 new jobs each month this year, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the BLS. But that compares to an average monthly gain of 400,000 in 2022, so half. July's gains were just 2,000 more than the jobs added in June. The BLS revised June's job gain down to 185,000, a cut of 24,000 jobs. It also cut May's job number. Together, June and July represent the two weakest monthly gains in two and a half years. And that last paragraph tells the tell. That's the asterisk. I went down the rabbit hole as dark and scary as it might be. I wiggled my little fluffy bunny tushy down it. And um, I found out some interesting things Mm. being down in that deep, dark hole. (laughs) Yes, I did. So uh, it turns out the Bureau of Labor Statistics and uh, the jobs numbers have been revised not once, but twice for every single month going back the last six months and probably presumably before that. But you notice that you've never heard that in the media? The job numbers come out. It's a big headline. No one ever goes back and says, hey, shit, it was revised down. It was revised down. As a matter of fact, in June, the job number came out. It was revised down once and revised down a second time. The May number came out. It was revised down once and revised down a second time. Guess what happened in April? It came out. It was revised down once and revised down a second time. You want to shoot for what happened in March? Tell me, Chief. It revised, revised down once. And revised down a second time. But nobody's talking about it. So we've called bullshit a number of times on the show. And you want to know what this is? I've got a single word for it. And all of a sudden, it's going to make sense. Okay? Arun, is your mic on? Now it is. Okay. This is something I like to call Bidenomics. Oh, <laughs> Bidenomics. Yeah, and that's not a political statement, okay? Yeah. These numbers coming vis-a-vis the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is a division of the mm. government. This is White House, baby. This is White House. They want those numbers to be strong and then revise them down quietly while no one's looking. Right. I truly believe that. And Zero Hedge has a fantastic article. I'm not going to link to it because I didn't get a chance to read it and proof all the data, but I think it's probably accurate and um, it's it's worth it's worth a read. Definitely worth a read. So if you remember, the last part of that CPI report that I touched on was that services inflation, aka the labor market, was up 6.1%. Mind you, the Fed's target rate is to get it to 2%, right? That is significantly higher. What the Fed 
is trying to do is they're trying to slow down the economy. And the number one tool that at their disposal to use in order to do this is by increasing the Fed funds rate, the rate at which banks can borrow money, right? So the thought process is if they can slow down the economy, it should increase unemployment, which in turn will slow down wage inflation, okay? And because there's jobs that are being added month over month over month, the unemployment figure is now back down to 3.5%. So is this how you get cocaine in the White House? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to figure out how that plays <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. sounded like a political statement. No, there, there was cocaine, but they don't know how it got there. Yeah, yeah. It just somehow got Is this there. how it got there? I mean, how can you, like, how, you can't tell? Like, come on. You got cameras everywhere. You can find yeah. out. It is the arguably the most secure building in the country. Yeah, it should be. And we don't know how cocaine got in there. Right. I'm gonna come drop some cocaine in here and be come like, on, hey, how to get in here? I have no idea. I know how I know exactly how I got in, okay? How? They had a Bureau of Labor Statistics meeting <laughs> and somebody brought the party favors. Right. They did a couple of, you know, bumps is what they call it. I think they call it bumps. Bumps that was, that was, that was uh, the don't term. be that. They call it but you've you've seen the movie Blow. <laughs> like sixteen thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> But so allegedly in the movie Blow, which is obviously fact, not fiction. Oh, rest in peace, Pee Wee. Mm. Oh, we never even talked about we that. Didn't, we didn't talk about that. Pee Wee Herman died, man. Unbelievable. We even had it. We talked about him on the show once or twice. Stud, stud, this guy. Yeah, I, except I, for the the stuff that he got caught up for. We're not gonna. Okay, let's talk about that. Paul, Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. I don't know enough about that okay, to talk. We're about We're gonna that. talk about this. We're gonna have this. Okay. He granted Pee Wee play Pee Wee's Playhouse. He's everybody. All these kids watched him. I understand the stigma, but he got caught masturbating while watching porn in a movie theater, which is what you did back then. They didn't have like Wi Fi. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the internet age. Wasn't it? Wasn't an adult movie theater? It was an adult movie theater, and he was he was watching porn in an adult movie theater, but he was touching himself while watching it in the theater. Isn't that? It wasn't like the catch. Like this is what you do here. He was the only one. Exactly my point, right? Come on, like, man. Like, what are y'all doing? So y'all were more mad that he was touching himself versus he was there? Yeah. You like, guys, where, where are we drawing the line here? You guys had adult movie theaters just out and about. What do you mean? And if this happened today, so let's just fast forward to today. If he was at home doing this without anybody, like, there's not a problem. Which he clearly was doing. I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, who do this kind of thing. I'm just saying the fact that he was in a theater back in the day and, and I guess a public set, I'm just... It just makes that that picture so I know, much worse. It, it ruins all the pictures. It ruins. it ruins the whole image. I get it. But I'm just saying that he was wrongfully... We went too far as a country back then. Mm-hmm. You're talking about an era where you couldn't even see sex on television and now like, you can't watch cable without seeing sex. Come on. Why do you have... He has to have his tongue out and shit. <laughs> come on, dude. There was a Paul Rubens Chia Pet. Who knew? Damn, cheap pet was actually a thing, huh? Yeah, no, what? I thought, I thought it was just like a joke. People were buying that shit. No, that's real. That's real, baby. That's no, not, I know that's they not were selling it, ele- but like, what? It's not a white elephant gift. It's a real gift. Were it's people real really thing. buying it? Yeah, back in the day, in the eighties. Yeah, cha 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 cha. No, I remember the commercials. Did, not, you know, people actually bought them. No, I don't know a single person that ever bought one. So you think there was just those commercials and nobody ever fucking bought? I one? think they were like Christmas gag gifts. All chia pets. Cha 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 chia pets. <laughs> you gotta do the voice, man. You can't just got, not. Got to, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that voice is okay, but one that sounds ethnic to you. That was the ad. There. That's how you promote it. So you can you can use the same voice that you use in an ad because it's how, how it was promoted. Yes. But when I do it for somebody that you identify as a certain particular ethnicity, it's all of a sudden offensive. It's, I didn't say that it was seems offensive. hypocritical as I'm, shit. I'm all for. That seems very hypocritical. No, no, no. Listen, I'm all for all the accents, all the impressions. I'm all for it as long as we do it for all of them. It's inclusive. 
But, well, I'm not good at all accents. That's you the get problem. Get better. That's the only way you don't get canceled, sir. You know what I think is, is really fucked up? You, mm. If you make fun of like an Asian person by doing their accent, it's offensive. If you make fun of doing it like an Indian person, it can be offensive or whatever, right? In, in certain circumstances. No one has ever gotten mad at somebody for doing an English accent. Why? Why, yeah. I've actually heard um, the guys on the Flagrant podcast talk about this. You listen to other podcasts. I listen to other podcasts. This is a, a, a hilarious podcast. So Schultz and Akash Singh. So ours is Andrew not a Schultz. hilarious podcast. I mean, we're not there, but we're good. Do you not, not know how to sell the show? There. We're getting close. Arun, can you mute his mic now? Just fill in from the rest of the show. You did great last I time. I did this like two episodes ago. The fact as well. that you're gonna lie to the people. Lie about what? You're, you're more you're more you're more funny than Andrew Schultz. I'm not more funny than Andrew Schultz. We are we, more funny than Andrew we Schultz. We together. Right. We're not even close. Well, thank you. Thank God damn what was about to jump on me for that. Let's stop. Enough. But what they talked about, and they had a, actually a serious debate about this. They said you could do the accent. The acts, this is what they believe as comedians, right? You should be able to do the accent so long as the accent itself isn't the joke. If you're using it to promote the joke. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, so it's like. If, if you're, you're just making, making it real. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not insulting. That That's just making it real. That's and, acting, baby. It's and on, and on top of that, it's as long as it's inclusive and everybody gets the jokes, then hold on. This isn't discriminatory at all. Yeah. Everyone's getting the job. I'm making fun of myself. I'm making fun. It's like. Well, this is why I thought the fat jokes were okay with the room back in the day. <laughs> it's, you know, I make fun of myself too. Yes. I'm the first person before the show started. I was making fun of you for thinking that I was skinnier <laughs> because I, got, I bought a bigger shirt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You do look skinnier though. It's because I bought a bigger shirt. Yeah. See? Good job. Well played. It's called a mind fuck. Cerebral. Yeah. Yeah. Cerebellum. Yeah. Cerebellum. All right. So back to the jobs report. <laughs> Let's talk about jobs. Jobs. And how we're about so, to lose ours. There was. <laughs> There was more stuff in this report that I thought was very telling. So how far deep did you get into this report? Uh, my little fuzzy bunny tail? Yes. Did go down the deep dark hole once again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So although there were 187,000 jobs added, did you know that 22,000 temp jobs uh, were eliminated? Yes, I did. That's, that a, was... that's a big deal. So that's showing that, okay, this is going in the direction that the Fed wants to see, right? Well, it's a cost-cutting measure. So a lot of these companies who have temps are going to that's where they start cutting some of that employee costs they they that are spending extra money on because they've got to find a way to increase their profits and if they can't increase their profits they have to increase their revenue which is profits minus expenses so right you get rid of some of the unnecessary expenses like temps those like, are easy to let go of right and that is an indicator that the labor market the labor force is actually weakening right if if companies are in fact hurting they should be you know eliminating some of their temp positions before they eliminate you know some of their some of their yeah, staff your, your full-time employees or right. FTE yeah, your full-time employees. Also, in this report, the average weekly hours, so they actually measure how many hours uh, people are working a week, that started to tick down. So that could be a, a big reason as to why we're not seeing the unemployment figure go up. Companies are asking their employees to just work less hours. Yeah. Um, so that number is starting to tick down. That That is a major role. So to break it down, um, let's see, construction added 19,000 jobs. Healthcare was the big the big winner here. That accounted for about half the jobs added. That was 87,000 jobs. I'm much more comfortable with the idea that healthcare is adding jobs. I'm, I'm all for it. Than I am about fucking hospitality and travel yeah, adding jobs. Leisure and hospitality, 17,000 jobs added. The government added 15,000 jobs. All IRS agents. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, and construction added 19,000. Where? Yeah. Why Why are we adding construction jobs? Like, right. what in the actual shit is going on? Right. Um, and... 
with that report, also what came out was the Jolts report. Chris's absolute favorite. I hate that fucking report so goddamn much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, it sounds like a bad action figure. Right. The Jolts report, which stands for Job Opening Labor Turnover Survey. L- labor, no, labor Turd Survey. Turd. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Job Opening Labor so that, Turd So the job openings survey. out there, that actually fell down to $9.5 million, still extremely high. It's uh, down to 1.6 jobs open for every unemployed person. We remember for the longest time it was near two jobs for every unemployed person. You know, um, I was talking to Noriel Rabini the other day, and he told me that uh, he thinks the uh, Jolts report is dog shit. That's what Noriel said. Yeah, he said uh. dog shit, and then he got back into his cold plunge. <laughs> oh, hell no. <nah. laughs> you want to talk about <laughs> Oh, listen. <laughs> Chris has something to share. No, 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 no. No, what do you no, mean? No, no, no. I do not own a cold plunge. Okay, I do not own a cold plunge. I did. Yet? No, 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 no. There has been no introduction. No one's hooked me up. Okay, let's just start start right there. I did go down the rabbit hole because I realized that a lot of these cold plunges on the market that are selling on Amazon and all. I mean, even the ones that are that are high branded, they're all selling the same stuff you can get on Alibaba if you order like in bulk, and you can get them for way cheaper. So I went down the rabbit hole of just trying to figure out like the suppliers and everything else because I thought a bunch of our, my friends could do a group buy. Now, what if I told you two assholes who are ungrateful right now that some of these cold plungers are selling for thousands of dollars, like four to eight is probably common. What if I told you I could get you that $4,000 cold plunge for $800? Christopher. Would you buy it? I'm telling you right now, I, will never, I will never own a cold plunge. What? You've got a palazzo and all that space. Why wouldn't you hold a cold plunge? That doesn't sound appealing at all. What do you mean? I don't need the extra dopamine rush, dude. I'm good. Listen, then you're just not a good human. Listen, okay. First of all, let me let me graduate to cold showers first. Okay. No, no, no. I don't no, need no. to. I don't need to go to a, a cold plunge. What's what's wrong with the cold shower? You let, had- me, let me work out once a week. Skies. <laughs> guy's- yeah, I think that's probably a good starting point for you. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. You should probably do that. Yeah, uh, but what I'll say to you, sir, is that you ever you ever been to like a, a Burke Williams, like a, yeah. a, a high end massage place? Yeah. You ever gone yeah. into like the little? I actually like, got I actually got spa. my wife a package for one of the things I got her for our ten year anniversary. Wow, flex! No, and what did she get you? Oh, baby, pair of OG Travi Scotts. My son asked me literally the other day. He goes, he smelled. I think we we're driving by like In and Out, and he smelled it, and he's like. Dad, what's one of your favorite smells in the world? Is like the smell of new shoes. I know. It's just the number one. It, it's a it's a it's a very unique smell. It's actually glue, but that's fine. It's fine. Yeah, that's fine. It's okay. I'm okay with it. I it's used to get specific high. glue. I used to get yeah. high as a kid. It's okay. <laughs> so um yeah, I think I think uh, it was more the entrepreneurial looking into the cold plunge thing. It wasn't really me like Did you want to resell? Is that what you wanted to do? I thought about it because I here's what happened is I saw a young kid who opened up a cold like he started selling a product. He had like the water chiller portion of it that he was getting on Alibaba, which clearly resells if you buy in bulk at twenty eight hundred dollars a pop. He was reselling it for twenty nine hundred bucks, just the chiller. Then him and his buddy made an insulated metal cold plunge, which I thought was a good idea on their part. But he was selling it for six thousand dollars, and I'm like, okay, that that's ridiculous. It's a giant metal tub. Is this one of the cold plunges that you fill it up with water and you have to dump your own ice in it? No, 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 no. The chillers that I'm talking about that he's selling for twenty nine hundred bucks. That literally will cool it down and keep it cool at all times. Okay. See, if if I were to ever get one, it would have to at least be that one. I'm not buying my own that, ice. No, 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 no. I'm not looking at anything. That you, I'm looking at one that automatically self chill. So the one I'm telling you for 800 bucks, 
It has Wi-Fi. You can do it from your phone. You can make sure it's cold at all times from your phone. And you can make sure when you go far, you go down there, it says with temperature, mm. right? It's got a one horsepower pump, hot and cold. It goes up to 105 degrees. goes all the way down to uh, 38 degrees. I, I, I'm going to own a sauna before I ever own, and not, uh, what's it called? Cold plunge. Okay. This is, come on. You're I mean, you got space for both, bro. I don't have bet, space for anything. I can't believe you flip-flopped on this. I'm not flip-flopping on anything. <laughs> you said you want to go. I went push. down the, the business due diligence path to see if it was economically viable, and it turns out there's way too many competitors in the space. It's, it's just too saturated. Yeah. And they're all buying from the same place. That's all. That's all. That's just me being an investigative. Mm. Investigative. Running down an idea that could possibly make us look good. Can you imagine the higher standard cold plunge? <laughs> yeah, the logo on it? Yeah. We the just dopest have dopamine. We just have it to use as a table. Yeah, <laughs> coffee table. We need to find a way to have people sponsor us. Like you know, people are asking to give it. Okay, look, guys, you've said on the show many times that you want to find a way to support the show. Buy our ten thousand dollar cold plunge. <laughs> <laughs> Makes total sense. All right, let's move on to inflation and an example which I think is very very important. So I read this article and I thought, aha, we are right once again. Said and I are geniuses. Arun, by association. He's a genius. Yeah, by association. Okay. So, according to Bloomberg, the first American city to tame inflation owes its success to affordable housing. Wow. We have talked so much on this show about how housing is the gateway drug. Housing? Housing. Housing. That, was, that just came out. I don't even know why that came out that way. <laughs> that was just so innate. It was, yeah, it was, it was very Southern. I apologize. How housing is the gateway drug to solving for the addiction problem we have with home prices, okay, with, with inflation. So in May, the Twin Cities, Minneapolis. Yes. Okay. <laughs> became, it's, in the, it's in the paragraph. Yeah. Became the first major metropolitan area to see annual inflation fall below the Federal Reserve's target of 2%. Its 1.8% pace of price increases was the lowest of any region that month. That's largely due to a region-wide push to address one of the most intractable issues for both the Fed and American consumers. Rising housing costs hmm that sounds like something that's said on the higher standard a mm. lot mm. shocker well before pandemic related supply chain snarls and labor shortages royal the economy the city of minneapolis eliminated zoning that allowed only single family homes and since 2018 has invested 320 million dollars for rental assistance and subsidies so because they found a way to have more affordable housing sure it may have impacted home prices. Sure. It meant that some landlords weren't going to get as much money. And some landlords would be subsidized, which is a fine alternative. What does that mean? That means that they've solved their rubric, which means if you look at this as a microcosm of the national economy, that if rent and rent equivalent were to go down because we were to solve for the same problem, or if just home prices were to go down and rents were to go down, you would solve for the inflation problem. That is what this is essentially saying, using one city as an example of what could happen across the country. And that is why we've talked so much on this show, to the chagrin of many, many younger real estate agents out there, 
and we've warned realtors that listen to the show that are fans that housing does need to be corrected, not only because it'll wipe out the middle class, but because it is the key, the gateway to solving for inflation. Yeah, kudos to the people over at Minneapolis that had the foresight to do this, right? Um, I I can't imagine cities across the nation are all going to start adopting this, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, it's money that they're going to have to be able to set aside and uh, pay out because that's how affordable housing works, right? The landlord is getting a portion, a portion of the rent right from uh the tenant and then the remainder of the, of the market rent from you know the city yeah section eight's a great example of that yeah section sec- eight exactly so you'd have to get the cities to sign off on this the toughest part probably is to uh eliminate the zoning eliminating right? the zoning was actually a brilliant play that's that's the smartest part about this whole thing yeah is that allowing more density in certain areas now keep in mind if you're in like a los angeles or a miami Adding in more density to these already dense areas are not easy. But Arun pulled up a great chart from the article. Minneapolis has seen lower rent increase. Rent growth in areas that change zoning rules, right? So because they changed the zoning rules the way they did, they've only had a 1% rent growth from 2017 to 2023. And I know some people are going to be like, oh, my God, they didn't have any growth during that time. Well, yeah, but that's also why their inflation is so tamed. This is why it has to go the other way. United States overall, 31% during that time. Yikes. But if you live, if a, a lot of the reason why we are where we are as a country and the, in the economy, right, is due to capitalism. And if you, if you remove, if you do remove that, there, I mean, you're also, we're not, we're also not factoring in how this could impact you know, the country as a whole in other ways. No, no, I, like, I get that. I, I get I get that. So, you know, um, Tarek El Moussa from uh, the television oh, shows? Oh, Flipper Flop. Yeah, Flipper Flop and all those other shows. He came under scrutiny because he's a syndicator. So he has his TEM capital. And uh, he got a lot of criticism because they used the Ellis Act, which is a way to evict tenants from properties, right? Uh, and low-income house, housing tenants as well. They all, all fall under the... Uh, the Ellis Act. So he bought a property with syndicated funds through a limited partnership. And he advertised how he was going to, you know, basically turn this dilapidated property into like this really high-end luxury property. But in doing so, he neglected the mention that he was going to use the Ellis Act to evict people. And now he says he wasn't the one who did it. He was just one of the partners. But you're part of a limited partnership. The Ellis Act, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is, that's the one, right, where you, you're when you buy it, you're going to have the tenant, uh, you're basically saying, I'm going to live in the unit, right? And then, uh, and then yeah. you can't, and then you can't re-rent it out to somebody else for a certain period of time until uh, that they, you know, you move out or you offer it back to them. That is the rent. most classic example. There's also, you can keep it vacant for, I think it's two years. There's a bunch of like loopholes in the LSA. That's right. Keep it vacant for like two years and then you can relet it. So, right. So you just, okay, fine. You don't want to, you, you want to evict this tenant and, you know, skirt around rent control, then fine. But you have to sit on it and not make any money for a certain period of time and just eat your losses. And some people do that. Some people have. So, Neither here nor there on how the Ellis Act works. Probably a little more complex for the show. If somebody really wants to hear about it, I'm happy to do it at a later date. But um, what I will tell you is that because of that, he's come under a tremendous amount of scrutiny and people are really upset. And my response to people when they when they criticize him as being you know heartless and a capitalist and all these other things is, if not him, someone else. What he's doing is not illegal, unfortunately. And a lot of people want to put up nicer properties and areas, but yes, that does mean that rents go up. And there is affordable housing and benefits that are requirements. So if you build a property a certain size, the the state and the county 
will require you to have a certain minimum a number of those units set aside for affordable housing, but it's not really well regulated. And Minneapolis seems to have solved uh, for a lot of that, I think, in the way they handled things. So I think they should be looked at, and maybe maybe this can be applied to other places. Yeah, yeah. So I guess remains to be seen. I I can't see many. It'd be nice if more cities adopted. I just can't see. You know, this come you know sweeping across the entire nation. It's very controversial, and yeah. uh, and I, I can see why that's a problem. Which is why I think home prices have to go the other, other the opposite direction than what they are going now. You know that that ratio between how much people are actually earning in their wages versus you know affordability has has reached a point. You know, as, is is almost reaching the peak levels that it did in you know over over you know historical numbers, and that where it ultimately comes back down. How this does come down. I think will ultimately be factored in by a number of things with whether that's unemployment, credit card debt, household debt, getting, you know, back under control or, you know, uh, bankruptcies and delinquencies getting out of hand or people having to sell their homes at an alarming rate just to, you know, maintain their equity. Well, as of right now, unfortunately, according to CNBC, home prices have hit record highs in 60% of U.S. markets. 60%. This combined with my next article, title alone sells it, Market Watch, rental housing cost rises uh, to slow significantly over the next 18 months, Fed research says. So now you've got ultimate highs of housing prices in 60% of markets. You've got rental housing, which is expected to slow significantly, but not reverse Rental housing increases or, or rises the cost of rents. It's supposed to slow significantly over the next several months. It's going to slow, but not reverse, not go the other way, not stay flat. It's going to stop go accelerating to the cadence that it is. Now, the third article that we have, and probably the worst part of this whole thing, from Yahoo Finance, credit card debt has now hit $1 trillion for the first time on record ever. New milestone. New milestone. Congratulations, America. You fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Going on, according to new data, a troubling development has interest rates and delinquencies are also on the rise. Total balances on credit cards and other revolving accounts reached that $1 trillion mark the week of July 26th, up from $998 billion the prior week. Y'all spent $2 billion in a week. How is this possible? What are y'all doing? Put right. the crack pipe down in the White House. So the number of of accounts that have this this has expanded by was been six million in the last quarter. There are a total of five hundred seventy eight million credit cards out there right now. Thirty um, percent of Americans have between one to five thousand dollars in credit card debt. Six uh, percent have more than ten thousand. If you think about it and you break it down, that's six percent of Americans that have over ten thousand dollars in credit card debt. Mm makes up 14 million Americans, all right? And what this is really exposing is that almost a majority of people out there are now using their credit cards to cover themselves month over month. Add in student loan repayment, and that's what we call Yahtzee. That is going to be the Yahtzee in October, yeah. right? Now, Bidenomics is trying to do everything they can to slow it down. They're going to try to introduce some updated income repayment options they're gonna do uh, like an onboarding process of 12 months where if you don't make your full payment they're not gonna ding you for lates and whatnot so they're gonna give you time and 
make sure you you know go do your own research on how to you want to go about and manage that. But they're gonna do everything they can to try to make this as you know that th- they're still doing everything they can for you, right? So Arun also brought up this quote from the article: the youngest Americans ages 18 to 29, had the highest credit card delinquency rates in the second quarter. According to the New York Fed, at least 8.8% were 90-plus days behind on payments, up from 8.5% the previous quarter. This was followed by 30 to 39-year-olds who had a delinquency rate of 7%. Those 40 and up carried delinquency rates of 5%. So um, something that I thought was really noteworthy here, right, is remember – uh, not too long ago, when we analyzed Q1's figures, we noticed that for the first time in over 20 years, credit card debt didn't actually decline for, for Q1. Because usually what people do is they spend a lot of money during the holidays, and then Q1, the debt starts to come down because people start to pay it back, yeah. right? They're like, nah. With their end-of-the-year bonuses. And it's not it's not even just nah. They, they couldn't. Yeah. So for the first time ever, it remained stagnant, and that was alarming, right? Red flags went up like, wait, why did this not go down? And this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. So the average credit card interest rate now, according to Forbes Advisor, is 24.69%. Let's just round up 25%. 25%, right? 25% so, interest. You're paying 25%. I got, so That's I got, insane. I got an example here that I think is very, very telling. And if you haven't ever messed around with any of these calculators that they have online, you know, you should do yourself a favor so you know what you're really getting yourself into. Okay? Mess around with calculators a lot. All the time. I mess yeah. around. I fuck around and find out. My favorite game to play. That's what you do when you're at home alone? The internet's available to you? Yeah, I see. Okay, if I have $7,500 of credit card debt and my interest rate is 15%. <laughs> so this is the example. If you have $7,500 in credit card debt and let's just say you know interest rates were back where they were at 15%, it would take you approximately 6.7 years to pay that off if you paid $150 a month, right? The minimum payment. Um, that would be $4,300 in interest paid. Now, let's increase that interest rate to 20%, right? Which is still below the average of what people are paying now. It would take you 9.1 years to pay it back. That is an, almost an additional three years, right, to pay it back. And an additional $4,000 in interest. I took it a step further and I tried to plug in 24%. You know what the calculator spit back at me? It said no. I swear to God, is what it said. It said, it is unlikely that you can pay off the balance with the monthly payment of $150. It didn't even give me a ballpark of when you'll pay this off. It's fucked up. It's fucked up, man. So, And that's the point where people are at now. They're using their credit cards to make ends meet. And it's really sad because they're opening more credit cards to just carry themselves over. They have student loans that are coming back on. I have a breakdown here of... Um, all the debt that's that's out there. Uh, let me see if let me see if I can find it. Uh, student loans. So household debt, non-housing debt balance. This is from the New York Fed. Credit card debts are at a trillion dollars. You have auto loans that are now up to one point five eight trillion dollars. You have student loans that are up to one point five seven trillion dollars. Auto loans really scare me right now. Auto loans are really scary because that that really ticked up as well because cars are now that much more expensive mm-hmm. right and it's not that wages kept up with the increase nope not at all so people are just having to get higher loans to buy these cars it's just it's out of control man it's wildly out of control and again people are like well all these things won't impact the housing market i think all these things are absolutely going to impact the housing market and it scares the hell out of me mm-hmm. 
It, it really does. And I know that we go on and on about the show, which we're, we're, you know, not serious about a lot of things, but I know that all the major banks that are out there now are starting to pivot and suggest that they're not forecasting recessions, JP Morgan Chase being one of them. And I know that people are now going back to the soft landing pitch, right? Like, oh, we can, we can avoid all these bad things from happening. I really, really, really don't think so. I don't think so as well. And the last article that I want to bring up for the show um, from, from my list that I thought was very telling. Now, the overall numbers aren't, aren't there yet, but this goes back to, remember a few months ago we talked about delinquency rates? Now, the number of delinquencies weren't that high, but at the rate that it was increasing was really scary. So that article, Odun, that I had from, I think it was CNN, that Americans are draining their 401ks, right? This is from the article. More Americans are tapping their 401k accounts because of financial distress, according to Bank of America's data that was released this past Tuesday on August 8th. The number of people who made a hardship withdrawal during the second quarter surged for the first three months of the year to just shy of 16,000. Not a big number, but that's an increase of 36% mm. since the second quarter of 2022, according to Bank of America um, analysts, right? The chief credit analyst over at LendingTree, Matt Schultz, said there's only so much debt people can handle before delinquency spike. It's only going to take a medical emergency, a job loss, or maybe something like student loan repayments. I see what you did there. Nice. Little little bow on it there at the end. Mm. Made it relevant. Yeah. Made it timely. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And I think that's that's um these are all bad things. And for people to ignore them and feel good about the economy, right now, if you listen to the show, I don't mean to be negative. You shouldn't feel good about the economy. You should feel very, very uncertain. We are in unprecedented times, dealing with unprecedented situations, and the, the results should be on some level unprecedented. Mm-hmm. So it scares me. It scares me a whole lot. But um, the good news is, is I've got you too. Oh. Pumpkin. Pumpkin. <laughs> so what did you, you get a haircut before you came in tonight? I sure did. Me and the boy. You went uh, where? <laughs> I went down to Huntington Beach. So wh- what? Yeah. You're not cutting it yourself now, is what you're telling me? Dude, come on. This is a fade. What do you mean? You've told me multiple times you're going to try to cut it yourself. I am. I know. Don't say that. Now my wife's going to say you've told me too. And you didn't do it? I know. Your wife and I are aligned on this. The boy, look, the boy looks good with his haircut. I can't do his hair. That's just too much. We're growing Carter's hair out yeah. long so we can comb it backwards, and it's yeah. at that weird phase where it won't go backwards. Mm-hmm. Looks like he has the biggest mohawk-like thing going on. It's, it's not a good look. Oh, really? It's an awkward face, but he'll oh, look that kid's there. a good-looking kid, dude. He he looks looks good. By the way, his glasses look great on him. Oh, thank you. I felt like a failure as a father to the fact that he had to wear glasses. How? I just, oh, not I don't, I, dude, I don't know. A failure as a father? That's I, a bit extreme. I, dude, I just felt horrible. Like, I, I just, I didn't start wearing glasses to my late 30s, mm-hmm. and um, he had, he has an eye that, that kind of, you can tell, has trouble focusing. Mm-hmm. So the glasses aren't permanent, it sounds like. It sounds like it's only be a year or two, and then he can not wear them anymore. They're not for, like, his vision per se. It's just that his eye doesn't focus well. But he, to his defense, for a four-year-old, put them on, has never taken them off during the day. He loves them. Great. It's, it's his daddy. It's incredibly And the first day, he was like, Daddy, Daddy, look, I got glasses like you. So now I've been wearing my glasses nonstop to show support. So, What a good dad. You know, um, or that one time he fell when I was watching him and he cut his nose is my fault that he, <laughs> his eyes messed up. Still to this day. I will never let it go. You're holding yeah. on to that. I am the world's worst father. Feel that way some days. That's a bit extreme. Man. I just feel terrible some days, man. It doesn't go away. I wish it did. It doesn't. I know. 
Well, you're back from Hawaii. Arun's got more prodigy. And uh, I'm here just missing you guys. It really, it does feel nice to be back. Um, I even we, got a I miss you text from you. Yeah. It was very awkward for me. It was? Yeah. It was, for, it was more for Odun. Yeah, I feel like that was for him. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just pictured you in a lagoon with your finger in your belly button, <laughs> playing in the water, sending me an I miss you text. Well, I got a sunburn on day one. I was like, how does this happen? Why do you get sunburned? You don't, you don't wear uh, sunblock? I do. I did. I got, it wears off after five hours, I guess. I don't know. It wears off after way quicker. Okay, than now that. we have to talk about this. Uh, share your honeymoon story. That's the oh, best. Oh, so after after getting married, you know, leading up to the wedding, you know, you get exhausted. Um, and then with all the festivities. So I was, I was exhausted. And we left for our honeymoon literally the day after our wedding. We get uh, to our destination. It's at one of those, like, Sandals Resorts, right? Uh, my mom hooked us up with a, that was her wedding gift to us. So thank you, mom, even though you're not listening. Um, she, I, we get there day one, we, we touch down, we change, we go out to the beach and we're just relaxing. I fall asleep on the beach. Oh, bad oh, move. Bad move. Wife was not happy that I fell asleep. She didn't wake you up? No. She, she said, I'm gonna let him sleep. Oh no. And I got sunburned, man. It was bad. Learn my lesson. What was she doing this whole time? She was laying there right next to me, putting sunscreen on. Yeah. She didn't put it on you? No. Let me learn my, I learned that lesson the hard way. Oh. Yeah. I could say a lot here. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that would be insulting to somebody. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm going to say that sucks. Yeah, it did suck. It yeah. did suck pretty bad. But this last trip to Hawaii was amazing, man. We um, spent a lot of good quality family time. Uh, when I must have gone down the water slide with my son a hundred times a day, it felt like. Uh, with my daughter, we just hung out at the little kiddie pool. They had like sand in, in in the in the pool to make it feel like it was a beach. Um, the lagoon was nice, and then at night we stayed up all night playing Mario Party. It was just family time the entire time. It was awesome. Mm. Yeah, no complaints at all. We complained. Did you? Yeah. What'd you guys complain about? That son of a bitch isn't here working like us. Oh, of course. I mean, it's terrible. I mean, he's over there taking care of a baby. Still comes to the studio. Stud, this guy. I feel like you could have called it in. Hey. We pay for technology for that. Yeah. This guy is working overtime over here. He is. Speaking of which, we should get you out of here, Rune. I don't want you to... Uh, some yeah, reviews? No reviews? Trouble. Oh, yeah. We have reviews. Shit. We have some notable reviews. Yeah. Uh, let's let's uh, let's get in the reviews. All we right. got We got four of them. We do. Some of them are amazing. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. This one from Dodge Kev. Best podcast out there. Five stars. Mm. Yeah, we love you, Dodge Kev. Listen, I'm not saying this. The review said this, okay? Let me be very clear. Jesus Christ. I found this podcast from my former favorite podcast, Mind Pump. He is saying that. Said Omar <laughs> is saying that uh, he stole somebody. This has become my new favorite podcast. No offense to the guys at Mind Pump, but they unfortunately dropped down to a close second place. Ooh, close second, though. I mean, okay, I mean. Get a participation he's, he's, trophy. Get a part of, yeah. <laughs> little pat on the butt. Yeah, good job, guys. Ooh, can't do the pat on the butt anymore. Can't do that. Yeah. Uh, no offense to the guys at Mind Pump, but they unfortunately dropped to a close second. As someone who works in banking and has an hour commute three days a week, I find that I'm enjoying the commute listening to y'all. Wow. Uh, hour commute three days a week. Well, you know, hey. We appreciate you. you appreciating us, appreciating you. Yes. This podcast is entertaining, informative, and hilarious. I love the bantering from Chris and Saeed, who are both equally villains. I'll live it's with accurate. it. accurate, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're no, good. Yeah, you're good. Kind of a dick. Additionally, Odun is the goat 
and is the pull it up Jamie of the show. Keep doing what y'all doing and don't listen to the haters. He was referencing the type of goat that eats anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm getting negative reviews again. No, no, I'm kidding. It was sarcasm. I apologize. I'm fat. Uh, um, this next one, the best financial literacy podcast, five stars. This is from Grace P. Cho. I found, uh, I first found uh, THS through the bald guy on Mind Pump. And I'm so glad that Chris and Saeed gave up their budding basketball careers to pursue a career in finance. Long time listener right there. Uh, I mean, I yeah, mean, that's just, a, you just know what you're doing. Kind of new. I mean, honestly, Saeed's basketball career wasn't real. Mine you, was. You know, <laughs> damn. <laughs> <laughs> it hurts because it's true. They could have become the next round mound of rebound and the Muggsy. But instead, we get to benefit from their experience in she banking. She just called me fat and you short. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny. Respect. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. When Odun remembers to record, that is. Ooh, yeah. Oh. That's funny because it's true. This person listens to every episode. Respect. Yeah, I get that. In this podcast, you will learn how to become such a baller that you can ditch your family and economy while you sit in first class. That's not an accurate... Uh, yeah, that, that is happen. a re- factual representation of the show. Nope, that did not happen like that. that that's um, <laughs> just ditch. I like the word ditch. That's Emphasize a, that's a misrepresentation. Emphasis on ditch. I uh, do not accept that review. All jokes aside, THS has become the only podcast I never miss an episode of. They talk about current events and other topics to help you on your journey to financial independence. You do not need to have any sort of financial background to listen and learn and be entertained. They break everything down so anyone can understand and continue learning on their own. Keep up the good work, you guys. Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. See, God damn, that's a great review. God damn, that was yeah. sexy. Good job. Well thought out, well executed, fucking brilliant. Obviously honest because it's five stars. Yes. Uh, we love you. We um, do. We do love you. Yeah. That, that that that's it. We love you so we much. Have, we have we have three more. Do we save some for the for the next one? Or Let's get we... one more. One more. One more. One more. Okay, this one's another long one. So strap in. Here okay. We go. All right. These guys are my heroes. Mm. This from RB twenty three. Not all heroes wear capes. Sometimes they wear black shirts and beads. Yeah. And Travis. And Travis Scott's. Or Nike Sakai's. Sakai. Yeah. Here we go. I just wanted to thank Chris, Saeed, and Odun. You know, I do want to say I do like how people appreciate Odun. Do you think they wouldn't? Why wouldn't no, they? No, I'm just glad that they, they they make sure to include him. Arun is like a the, stud. Like he, the, is, he is a quiet gel, which galvanizes all of the bits between our two cookies. It's probably the <laughs> nicest thing he's ever said about me. You're the gel. Me or him? Oh, Chris. Oh, okay. Come on, you compliment me all the time, sorry. No, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) On the air. (laughs) You and I both know that's not the way it is in the mic's turn off. (laughs) Stop it. All right. Um, As someone that realized that financial literacy was, quite frankly, a weakness of mine, I appreciate everything that they bring to the table. Not anymore, baby. You're tapped in. The number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Or financial literary. It's all, I mean. If you like books, too. If you like books, yeah. I uh, appreciate everything they bring to the table in both old and new listeners. They break down the current financial conversation and what it might mean for everyone moving forward without being dry and inject banter to keep things lighthearted. Which is, ironically, something that I've been criticized the most for. You know, you're so unprofessional. <laughs> you keep making these these phallic references to the male anatomy, and it's yeah. just really offensive to my soul. That one listener no longer listens, so... I don't think uh, yeah. they're going to get offended by me. Yeah, so if you really want to stick it to the establishment, keep leaving us these reviews. Yeah. So my little cotton bushy bunny tail can go down deep dark holes. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I that. wanted to submit this review as a show of appreciation. 
I'm living in Southern California trying to put myself in a new field to make more money and navigate the increasing rent inflation and general state of the market. Mm. Listening to these intelligent minds. I mean. I feel like that's a room. Intelligent mind. Minds. Has been a pleasant educational experience and has helped guide me toward achieving my goals. My only wish is for them to have a live event sometime soon so I can thank them in person. I love this podcast. Well, this podcast loves you. And uh, a live event is something that we will do. Uh, I think we need a little bit more uh, following and traction, which you know I fully expect us to get because if not, we'll fire Saeed um, in the next couple of months or so. And then, yeah, I think we should do something. I think we, we should start with uh, Los Angeles maybe and then uh, Los Angeles and then uh, groom ourselves for maybe a little bit more uh, travel. We have our top markets on our analytics. Uh, Canada is actually a good one. And so is like New York and Chicago. Right. So lot, lots of fans all over the place. And, I'm coming uh, to Seattle with the white coat. McDreamy, baby. Here I come. You just can't not have a reference in to, every man. single fucking episode. Every time. I've already admitted the guy's a stud. Great hair. I'm invested. You just want to keep going back to this. The best. 12 seasons. 12. No, um, there's 19. 19 seasons? You watched 12. How many episodes in a season? I, a lot. I don't even know. I think like, like 10? I, no, I think like 20. 20 episodes in 19 seasons? I think so. You're out of your fucking mind watching all that <laughs> shit. What's wrong with you? I love spending time with my wife, man. I, I, I do too, but you can't watch the same thing every single night. It's good. It's good. 400 episodes? Are you fucking high? Wow. I could be spending that time editing. There are four. That, this is why we're not getting on shorts. <laughs> shorts. Yeah. Okay. Anybody listen to the show? You want to know why we don't have shorts on on social media? It's because this guy is watching McSteamy. No, we don't have. Yeah. McSteamy. It's McDreamy, man. Get it right. I just wanted to put some you. respect on Wait, his name. Wasn't the other guy? McSteamy? Put some respect on my name. I haven't got to that point. Don't be killing the show for me. Huh. This guy. Look at the sabotage. We only like hundred episodes in. No. Another hundred to go. I'm on season two, man. I don't know. We watch one episode every couple of days. Why are you committing to this? <laughs> because it makes my wife happy. This makes your wife happy? It does. It makes me happy seeing her happy. I know that you say that while the mics are hot. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Don't be that guy. But you, right. you were just telling us for the show started about how much you hated this fucking show. And that's, you a, you. <laughs> that's a lie. It's <laughs> not a lie. Oh, dude? Yeah. Did I say that? You answered the question. Yes, you did that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leave us an honest five-star review and go like us on YouTube and subscribe and do all the fun stuff. We out. Let's go. No, we're not out. We're going to address this, this conflict between you and your wife. We're out, Chris. <laughs> we're out. Fine. Bye. Good night, everybody.